Pizza City is brought to you by Fontanini brand sausages, pepperoni, and meatballs. As many of you know, I have a pizza tour business in Chicago, and while a lot of our guests love to indulge in the raw bulk sausage that's pinched and pressed onto our pies before baking, not everyone eats pork. Thank goodness Fontanini has the solution. Chicken and beef meatballs. They're always mixed with ricotta and house-grated Romano, along with their blend of herbs and spices. Fontanini only uses select cuts of chicken and beef, offering their customers more choices no matter what their religious or dietary restrictions. This summer, you'll also see them halal certified, so go ahead and throw them on your naan with some tikka masala sauce. Get a free sample of the new chicken and beef meatballs at fontanini.com slash pizza city, or go to Fontanini brand on Instagram and click the link in the bio to let them know you heard about it from Pizza City. Just remembering all the names of the people who work in every pizzeria or what flour they're using lately. The more you research it, the more you get into it, the more there is to know and the deeper the ocean feels. And I feel like like 13 years ago, it was really just like, oh, if I could only figure out the manufacturer of that oven door, I'll be happy forever. (laughs) You know, and now it's like, well, that manufacturer changed its name in 1926. But if you locate the older doors, they have a different city name on it because the city reincorporated in 1910. How do you go from working for the city of Hoboken, New Jersey, to becoming New York City's most authoritative voice on pizza? By doing your homework, naturally, but also bringing a lot of passion to the job. Scott Weiner not only has a business running more than a dozen tours a week, He's also active in the pizza community, talking with owners, oven manufacturers, cheese producers, tomato growers, you name it. I sit down for a slice with the force behind Scott's Pizza Tours to learn what he looks for in a proper slice. That story straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another edition of Pizza City. Got a great show for you today. A little bit different. You know, most shows we talk to pizza makers, pizzaiolos, owners of pizza shops about their craft. Occasionally, we will talk to someone in the industry sort of an adjacent to making pizza. In this case, uh, this week, Scott Wiener, owner of Scott's Pizza Tours. Scott, I, I know, is so committed and devoted to the history of, of every place they talk about. When he and I initially had pizza a couple of years ago at a place in Lower East Side, I, he was looking at the oven and pointing to the bricks and telling me where they were forged, when they were forged. I mean, just really deep dive stuff. So um, his tour business may have been on hiatus during the pan- pandemic, but he didn't seem to slow down. Interviewing pizza people on Instagram, running virtual tours from places like Defaro, holding pizza-making classes from his apartment. Uh, the guy did not stop, uh, and they're just getting back to offering tours now, and that's Scott's Pizza Tours on Instagram. 
They've got about 65 pizzerias in their stable of pizzas they work with. They usually hit about three or four each tour. He says during normal times, they offer 10 to 15 tours a week, kind of a combination of public and private. Now, I was curious to know how he assesses a proper slice from New York City, but also how he does it all. Uh, And for all you pizza-loving hobbyists, how he turned his passion into a full-time job. Frankly, there are only a few cities in America you could really do this because you need the history and the sheer number of pizzerias um, and really the depth of styles. Scott suggested we meet at Luigi's in Brooklyn and go see Gio, who might argue. First of all, I gotta say, uh, just in case you hear a lot of noise, we are literally sitting on the street, which is just off the curb in front of Luigi's here in Brooklyn along Fifth Avenue. So it could get a little noisy. That said, Scott Weiner, welcome to the show. And as you may know, um, we ask all of our guests first thing right off the bat, earliest pizza memory and from where? I struggle with this every time I hear a guest answer it. Cause I try to think of it for myself and there is nothing solid until I'm like 10 or 11. You know what I mean? That's fair. But, but there obviously have been pizza before that, but my early pizza memory involves sitting shotgun with my mom driving and I'm holding the pizza on my lap, one or two pizzas in the flimsy paperboard boxes. And I just remember every once in a while, like squeezing the boxes together so that it would push out the fragrance of the pizza from the vent in the front into my face and that's like my earliest thought of interacting with pizza is it in the box on my lap squeezing it just to get a hit of the good good oregano and that was going to be a new york style like thin pizza it would have been yeah it would have been like yeah i guess you call it new york style pizza in the suburbs of new jersey yeah thin crust foldable wedge cut you know when did you think this could become a career or a vocation for you that didn't happen until it was kind of already happening. Like I, I, I got really into pizza, not thinking of it as a career at all, really until I quit my job that I had before I started doing pizza tours. Which was? I was working as... It's so memorable. No, no, I usually really loved the job, <laughs> but I was working for the Department of Cultural Affairs for the city of Hoboken, New Jersey. And I remember quitting the job because I knew that I just didn't want to do it forever. And it's one of those jobs that you kind of could. And I quit. And the love of pizza became all-consuming. And it's sort of, instead of thinking about, oh, what job can I get that will allow me to pursue checking out cool pizzerias on my free time? Instead of that, it just became, oh, can I make the checking out cool pizzerias be the job? So the vocation, the concept of pizza as a vocation, it honestly didn't happen until after I had run like a, a not even a tour, like a, like a birthday party for myself with all my friends going around to eat pizza on a school bus. It was after that, that my friends said, you know, this thing you did for your birthday party, that should be your job. All I knew was that I really liked pizza, and I liked that it was different everywhere you went, and I liked that everybody is very passionate about what they grew up with, and so I liked the fact that it was something that people could identify with. I very much didn't like the idea of arguing over which is better, or which is real, and which is fake, and all this nonsense. Because guests will try to get you into one of those arguments, right? All the time, yeah, you know. 
and and which I love because I've gotten I think really good at getting out of the argument and, and almost turning it on them and making them feel bad for even asking give me some of those tricks later oh man I would love to like it's really become a pleasure to do it uh, because because my love of it is not a pride in New York pizza being the greatest it's 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 more of like an, a love of bringing people together and giving them the platform to talk about the thing that they connect with and then using that as a bridge to connect with other people and not as a way to divide from the other people. And full disclosure, Scott is not only wearing a pizza mask, he's got a button on his vest that says, I love pizza. I don't even realize that, but uh, <laughs> so you're li you live the brand. Um, so when did you start actually, when did you start doing organized tours? April 27, 2008 was the first organized tour. And that was six months almost to the day after I had this birthday party where I took my friends around on a school bus and we just went to my favorite pizzerias. And were you simultaneously thinking, saying to yourself, like, I mean, sometimes, you know, I feel like, you know, imposter syndrome. You're feeling like, I got to go to the library and I really got to study up and I got to go, I got to know what year the bricks were forged in this oven. Because that's one of the things I, you know, respect about you. You know, I mean, you not only know the players and the, the personalities, but you know where everything came from and what year and when the deed was signed. And that, to me, you've gone so deep. So were you feeling like I've got to do all this simultaneously while I'm running this business? Exactly. And imposter syndrome is one of those things that I think is driving. It's not a detriment. I think it's, I think it's actually a good thing because when I first decided that I was going to do this pizza tours, I knew that the thing that, that I wanted to give to people was a perspective on how to see everything through the pizza lens. And I knew that people would come to the tour with their preconceived notions or uh, their thoughts or, or like they're trying to show off what they know. And I knew that as being a, a young guy who's got 0% Italian heritage and just all these things, no family had ever been in the pizza business. I sort of had like no credentials. I knew that the best thing I could do would just would to be to really know my stuff. So before day one, before April 27, 2008, I thought, well, I can't just be able to talk about these pizzerias. I really have to understand the broader concept of what's going on in the pizzeria world. And that's where, as you said, knowing where the bricks are forged and knowing uh, derivation of like the history of the cheese that they're using. It, part of it was because I wanted to be 10 steps ahead of all the guests who would come on the tour. But also part of it was because making it a job meant that I could I could rationalize spending my time researching that. And it wasn't just for fun on the side, it was building towards something that was for the business. I think over time it's actually gotten more exciting and almost more overwhelming because now it's not just running a business that works. It's not just remembering all the names of the people who work in every pizzeria or what flour they're using lately. The more you re research it, the more you get into it, the more there is to know and the deeper the ocean feels. And I feel like like 13 years ago, it was really just like, oh, if I could only figure out the manufacturer of that oven door, I'll be happy forever. <laughs> you know, and now it's like, well, that manufacturer changed its name in 1926. But if you locate the older doors, they have a different city name on it because the city reincorporated in 1910. 
You're such a good example of somebody who just drills down on one subject. You know, like uh, Adam Kuban, who's on a, an upcoming show, was saying he was one of the first people to start writing about a single subject, I mean, blogging food-wise in, in New York, and you become that subject expert. And so people look to you for expertise. I'm sure you're settling a lot of bets all the time online. Um, but when, you're, when you reach out to these people initially, like, hey, I want to come and bring people into your business and, you know, spend some time talking about your, your business, anybody um, respond negatively to that or are they all like come on in we want to share our story with you at first there were definitely people who were hesitant or did respond negatively and i think that there was a combination of them not getting it but also of me not totally understanding what it was so when i started it was oh i want to do this tour and i'm going to bring people here and i'm going to tell them about your pizza and if i was them i would say well what do you mean you're going to tell them about my pizza who the hell are you So for some of these places, they would say, okay, you can come in and try it once. And then I would demonstrate in that one time that I knew what I was talking about. I would ask them the right questions. And really the idea of the tour is to, to sort of glorify the pizza maker. It's this position that throughout history has been this lowly position. I mean, when I tell people that I do pizza for a living, they think I'm a slob, I'm obese. They think all these things that are, have this negative connotation. But the, the, the work that's done behind a counter in any restaurant is so much more than the ingredients on your plate. And I feel like with pizza, it's just a great way to be able to refocus people. And uh, so I had to demonstrate to a lot of owners, why is this, I remember one of these places called me, um, they called me cheeseburger boy because I'm American and they think American cheeseburger, I guess there's like a thing. And I remember they were like, who's this? cheeseburger boy coming in talking about pizza and I was like listen to yourself uh, like what do you mean cheeseburger boy maybe you can call me like a pepperoni boy or something but like I knew what I was talking about and the third time going in I remember they said hey how did you know that like how did you know that that was the thing that's like not a known thing and then your homework you did your homework some knowledge but you know you always have to prove yourself how do you stay on top of what's happening because as Adam Kuban was telling me, in the last five years, things have really changed. I mean, Upside and Mama's 2 and Scars and all these people really focused on fermentation and hydration, more so than they were probably 12, 13 years ago. Absolutely, that's why it's been really fun to watch that all happen. But it's not like I'm just running pizza tours. I'm also pretty involved just in the industry in general, whether it be Pizza Expo or the Pizza Today magazine or Slice That Hunger, which works with pizzerias everywhere. So I'm sort of, that's sort of the gossip community that I'm involved with anyway. So I don't have to wait for somebody to open their pizzeria to figure out, oh, that's the oven that everybody's liking lately. I, I kind of talk to the people who deal with that before, kind of before the baby's born. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to keep uh, talking to Scott Wiener about uh, pizzas in New York. We're going to get a slice here at Luigi's, and we'll talk about uh, how Scott decides whether or not to carry a place on one of his tours. We're also going to preview some scenes from our next show coming up in two weeks, so stay with us. Pizza City is brought to you by Baccio Cheese. Cheese is something we talk a lot about here on the show. It's vital to the success of any great pizzeria. Selecting one that performs the way you need it to is one of the most important elements to pizza making. Baccio cheese is an exceptional Italian pizza cheese made with a secret, a kiss of buffalo milk. 
Made with high-quality, grade-A milk, it goes from cow to cheese in just 48 hours. It melts and reheats beautifully, giving you lovely pulls and stretches. Pizza makers all over the country are turning to Baccio, guys like Greg Kahn, the owner of Gregorio's Trattoria in Bethesda, Maryland. We make a, a New York-style pizza. It's all hand-tossed. The Baccio cheese is the perfect complement. It's very consistent from case to case. We buy the shredded whole milk. I do like the kiss of buffalo milk. But consistency is everything. The, the guest that comes in, they want the same pizza today that they got last week, and that happens uh, with Baccio product each and every case. I've been using the diced part skim and whole milk, uh, embedding it into the top of the dough like I've seen them do at uh, Geno's in Williston Park on Long Island. I'm also doing the block of whole milk, which I'm slicing for my Stevie's squares, kind of a hybrid of a deep dish and a focaccia. So here's the deal. Schedule a demo to try Baccio cheese today at no cost. Just go to BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA. That's BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA to schedule your free demo. Welcome back, everybody. We're now inside Luigi's here in Brooklyn with Scott Wiener from Scott's Pizza Tours. And look at you. It's a, look at you. Catching up with uh, Gio. How you doing? So when you approach uh, the, the case like this, it looks like there's a three slice. There's a Sicilian, there's a regular slice, and there's a grandma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how do you decide what you're going to try when you visit a place like this? Well, I guess the first thing I'm looking for maybe like what came out most recently. You know, when I see a couple slices from different pies kind of shim-sham together, Maybe I'm avoiding that. Sicilians, when they sit out, you know, they'll dry up. Uh, I'm glad he walked away when I say this because he would definitely interrupt and say, they're all perfect when you read them. But right now when I'm looking at these, he's very proud of his, like, margarita, his fresh mozzarella slice. It's interesting. The fresh mozzarella on this are perfect squares laid on top. Yeah, it's, like, a little too perfect for me. But the one of these that, that sticks out to me is that upside down. Yeah. So let's get the grandma and the regular slice. Yeah, I'm actually, let's get a regular, regular slice because that's his fresh mozzarella, but you got to do like the straight up regular New York slice. Okay. All right, so we'll get, we'll get three slices. Sounds great. Okay. So Scott has just pointed out a pizza box up on the wall, and we, we're going to mention this in, the, in this segment. You also have quite a collection of pizza boxes, right? A Guinness World Record collection? Yes, it's true. How many? It's 1,560-something. All over the world. All over the world. All seven continents. 111 countries. So I'm guessing they're folded in so that like like an, like an album used to be in the old days, like in a rack? Exactly. They're all flattened down, stacked up, compressed. How did that obsession start? That was part of the whole, and I see another one I don't have, so I gotta grab that. That was part of the whole, like, I just, I gotta know everything possible so when a question comes up, I'm not caught off balance. And I realized as I was getting started in this that you know, we eat fresh pizza on the tour, and I've actually never liked pizza out of a box, but I noticed that, um, I think the stat is something like two-thirds of all pizzas in, eaten in America are eaten from a pizza box, delivery, takeout, whatever, and I just thought, well, then I got to know about the box, so I was at a pizzeria in New Jersey once, I saw a box that said on the side, limited edition, volume two or something, of a set, of a series, and I thought, there's a series? Limited edition. Obviously, I gotta collect it. Not wasting any time digging in because I want to get it while it's hot. I'm eating. I'm starting with the uh, the margarita, the fresh mozz squares. It is quite thin. Yeah. It is really thin. It doesn't have that high heel like I saw this morning at Upside. Very different. Is that typical of Brooklyn or typical just of Luigi's? 
It's just Luigi's. It's like, there's no real... I wish there was a typical Brooklyn thing. There's not. It's This is just the way he makes pizza. I noticed a lot of Baker's Pride ovens in this part of the country. Everything I saw in Long Island the other day, Baker's Pride, Baker's Pride, Umberto's, King Umberto, same thing here. Is that in a popular oven? It used to be Marsal. It depends on when the pizzeria opened and where it's located. So a lot of the early ones are Blodgett. And then a few years after that is when Baker's Pride started selling them around. And Baker's Pride's in, based in New Rochelle, or they were. That's why you get a lot of them around here. But some of them in Brooklyn got Morello ovens, which is just Baker's Pride, but with a different name on it. And then Marsal based on, was based in Long Island. So when they started pushing them, I think it was like the 90s, that's when a pizzeria is open then. If you open in 1975, you're going to buy the oven at the time at the moment, and you're not going to get a new oven five years later. But if somebody comes to New York for the weekend, outside of taking your tour, which they have to do, scottspizzatours.com, and it's scottspizzatours on Instagram, where do they need to go? Like, I'm going to guess Defara, Lucali, uh, the classics, right? You've got to go to these L&B you need to go to. Those are the places, if you're really, if you're serious about pizza, obviously you're listening to a, sh- a podcast right now about pizza, what are the five or six places you really need to experience in New York City? It's funny, even the ones you mentioned, I'm, I'm sort of like, oh, wow, I didn't really think about that it's off the top of my head. But if you want to understand the essence of New York City, you got to have a little past, present, future stratification. So, you got to do something like Totono's or John's. You know, they're like sort of of the same era, the same concept. Totono's is Coney Island, John's is on Bleecker. Yeah. So, like, if you're in Manhattan, you can go to John's. If you're in Brooklyn and you want to go to Coney Island for the day, go to Totono's. Then... L&B is on the way. Yeah. Uh, L&B is a total weirdo, which is why I don't say, like, oh, you got to go to L&B to understand New York pizza, because, like, I don't think you do, because it's such a, it's unique. Yeah, Bovino's not a fan. I mean, I loved it. I, lo- I love it, too. It's just that it does, it, it is not representative of something if it's the only one that does what it does. I get that, like, some other places do something similar, but, like, it's just a specialty thing. And you got to be okay with a little bit of an undercooked crust. Some people are not. I get it. So, definitely have to do something like that. you got to do a slice shop like a Luigi's or a Joe's, something like that. Tafara is even off that mark a little bit. Like a Joe's or a Luigi's is way more like down the center. And then you got to go to something like a, like a Roberta's or an Ops or a Mama's 2. Those are, or Lucali. They're all kind of in that same category of like taking pizza the next step. And you, by the way, speaking of Lucali, we should, full disclosure here, you and Mark, have a kind of a web series, right? What is that? We've got a web series called Really Dope, where we go to pizzerias and we order the weirdest thing that they have, and we debate whether or not it's actually a pizza. Mark Mark tries to say that nothing's a pizza except for whatever he makes, and I argue the opposite. He is old school. Yeah, he's old school. That's why when you go to his place, it is just a beautiful experience. There's a tranquility about it, but it's, it's in its own class. It's like, Defara doesn't represent a broader thing. It's like, it's its own thing. Same thing with Lucali. We'll be right back. You love the sound of dough being transformed into crust. 
But what about the dough in your pocket? If you make pizzas for a living, then you know a fully loaded oven affects heat recovery time and makes everything take longer. That affects your bottom line. Say hello to Pizza Master, the most powerful electric oven on the market. It has clay ceramic hearthstones crafted with a rough surface, providing superior heat transfer. That means crispy crust every time. And talk about precision, you can adjust both the top and bottom heating elements to make any style of pizza, which is what Rich Labriola was looking for at his namesake restaurant in Chicago. We had limited space in our downtown restaurant. We needed to do two distinct styles of pizza, deep dish, thin crust, and those two styles had different temperature, different settings, and we don't have a large footprint. What we looked for was an oven that could do both, and with Pizza Master you could stack three to four high, and you could have different temperature settings for each oven. Plus the ability to get up to 932 degrees combined with exceptional recovery heat allows for high capacity output during peak times. That's money in your pocket. They've got 85 different sizes, more than 1,500 models, and a million oven combinations. They've also got demo kitchens all over the country, so go take one for a test drive. Visit mpmfoodequipment.com and use the promo code PIZZACITY to get a free swag bag at your demo. That's mpmfoodequipment.com and request your test bake or demo today. 10, 11 years ago, um, there was a lot of bad pizza, $2 slices. There was a wave of Neapolitan at one point. I'm going to guess around the recession. Maybe I'm off by a few years. But what's the scene? No, tell me. Tell, you tell me what's been going on the last 5, 10 years here. Well, you nailed it. I mean, when the recession hit, the pizza category in New York split where you went to the low-grade dollar slice or the upscale Neapolitan. Like the next wave Neapolitan stuff with like, oh, let's make a flatter crust and we'll make it crunchier and a drier bake or something like that. By the way, let's back up. I like the grandma a lot. Dude, this is the jam. It's delicious. But you call it upside down because it's cheese and then sauce. I call it upside down because when you get into the argument over is it a grandma or isn't a grandma, it's just kind of a frustrating argument. Like this, to me, is not a grandma. Okay, well, why? It's a thin Sicilian, no? Well, but that's where it's like, it's, an, it's a stupid argument. I don't even like having it in my own mind. But it's because th- like this dough was allowed to rise before he topped it and baked it. You know, it's got a little bit of cushion. So the grandma, where it's opened into the pan and then topped and baked right away, has more of a density, whatever. Okay, all right. And upside down because, and we don't really have upside downs in Chicago because it you looks... a lot of upside downs in Chicago. Well, but we don't have, yeah, but we don't have these thin square or rectangular upside downs which is mostly sauce across the top that here's a this is just the cheese slice now that's it no gimmicks and is it is it always is it a a part skim or low moisture mozzarella i don't geo i don't know what he's doing now it's usually whole milk but sometimes people will do whole milk and part skim mix but then a place like joe's is all part skim and do you think joe's is still so great just they've figured out consistency there and it's hard to be consistent in that business yeah Steve, wait, did you meet Steve? No. How are you, Steve? Steve. How you doing, Steve? From Chicago, how are you? Pleasure, how you doing? From Chicago. Oh, I just had a guy from Chicago. Well, now you got two. <laughs> He's asking me if you're part skim or whole milk mozzarella. Part skim. All part skim? All part skim. All part skim. Okay. I like whole milk, too greasy, too fatty. All right. And I can uh, tell people my slice is 180 to 210 calories opposed to 330, 360. It's a great slice. Yeah. Delicious. Thank you. Right. I try. I love what I do. How long have you been in business? 
48 years. It's 1973 in this store. 1961 in the neighborhood for my father. All right, so what are you looking for in a slice? I know you've had this slice before many times, but what, what do you, how do you analyze a, a proper New York slice? It's tough with this one right now because this is a half a slice. So you can't fold it without getting the crack. It's also a reheat, so it's definitely going to crack more. But I'm looking for a flexible base, balance between tomato and cheese, where it's slightly more in favor of the tomato rather than the cheese. That's just like a preference of mine. But um, where there's a little bit of an edge on the outside, like not, soup, not, not where it tapers. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm looking for char on the bottom. Like the other day I had a slice that crust had no flavor. There's no char on the underside. It was just limp and lifeless. Eating this right now is reminding me what it's supposed to be. When you go to places these days, the places we talked about, like Mama's 2 and <clears throat> Sophia, for example, they all do a, a traditional slice and a square. Or a Sicilian, you know, and a, and a slice. Like, do you feel like you've got to try everything now because they're making all these different styles of pizza? Like, you can't just go in and get a slice anymore. Yeah, you're right about that. Squares have picked up so much in the past few years between the Detroit and the Grandma and all these other things. But when you go into the place and you look at the window, the squares more often, I think, look good to me than the rounds these days. I think people are putting more effort into them because it's something different. And you can charge a little bit more for it, and the cost to make it is not that much more. All right, I want to ask you about, in terms of styles in New York, there seems to be about a half dozen or so that are generally accepted. I don't see a ton of Detroit and Roman. I mean, there's PQR, there's Monte Impasta for Roman. They don't really cut it to order like they do a bunchy. Um, Lions, Tigers, and Squares, I don't know if they're still around. Emmy Squared, obviously, doing Detroit. Is it? Does it seem like those are just pushed out of the conversation because there are just so many slices, slice places like this doing Grandma, Sicilian, and the New York Slice? I think because the Detroit slices are harder to eat on the go because there's no handlebar. It's a cheesy, greasy edge. That's kind of why. Because all of New York is, a, is street food. It's all about eating it as you're going. So it's easy to see why some things don't work as much or don't get as popular. Like, you just named a bunch of Detroit things, but they're in Manhattan mostly, which is where people are going to sit down more. And it's just not... It's like a style that can be good, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be super popular. The, the, the reason that Neapolitan got popular was because it was a sit-down restaurant food when other sit-down restaurant categories were too expensive. So that's why Neapolitan right now is not a hot commodity. There's not new places opening with it. If we're opening with a new place, then it's a slice shop that's doing a, a sourdough crust or, you know, like interesting tweaks like that. Last question. As you know, we ask all of our guests, knowing what you know now about pizza, which is a ton, what would you have told yourself uh, a- April 1st, 2nd, 3rd of 2008 before you got into this as a business to be successful? <laughs> The first couple of years that I was running the business, everybody asked me if I made pizza at home. And I had lame excuses when the reality was that I was afraid to because I knew if I made crappy pizza, it would bring shame to my family. I would have told myself April 1st or 2nd, just so it wasn't April Fool's Day. I would have said, get off your rump and start making pizza right now. Because when I started making pizza at home, that's when it really went into the deep end. 
That's great advice. Um, you can check him out on Instagram, Scott's Pizza Tours. Uh, Scott Wiener is, he's the man. He is the man in New York City for all things pizza and pizza tours. Scott, such a pleasure. Thanks for taking some time to meet me before your tour today. Dude, the pleasure's mine, and thanks for uh, grabbing a slice with me. That was so much fun, even if we had to sit between the curb and the traffic. Oh, the aroma of the street and the sidewalk and the fumes commingling with our slices. So New York City. Okay, coming up in two weeks, a dynamite pizza on the water across the street from where the Washington Nationals play. I wanted to do something that meant something to me. And growing up, going to places like Ferraro's and Gennaro's and, and Bona's and Cosimo's, those places that I grew up and, and you know, loved, um, didn't exist here. You know, there was no deck oven style pizza. I'll chat with Michael Friedman, the chef and owner of All Purpose in D.C. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and rate us, please. We're at Pizza City USA on Instagram. And our website is PizzaCityUSA.com. That's where you can find info about our tours. We've got four public tours running every weekend. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And friendly reminder, here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always.